his commitment to the Word. Let's take our Bibles and we will turn to the book of Matthew, and it's in the fifth chapter. The 33rd verse will be our point of uh, beginning our journey together through this passage of Scripture. Let me just say that we are continuing a series through the book of Matthew, and we are smack dab in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, a very important message to the disciples of Jesus Christ. And when we were looking through this passage of Scripture, as Jesus was talking about how He came to fulfill the law in verses 17 through 20, Right at the 20th verse, the Lord talked about the importance of living righteously, and He says in that 20th verse, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus gives us six examples of how the Pharisees who were perceived by the people of His day to be the righteous one, especially, like I said earlier, if you asked a Pharisee, they would be the first to tell you that they were the righteous ones. Jesus goes on to show that their righteousness was the wrong approach. It was an outside-in approach to righteousness rather than an inside-out approach where God takes us and changes us and makes us into His people. So as we come to the passage we're looking into this morning, we find that Jesus begins to address the issue of oaths, but it expands beyond just taking an oath. It's really speaking about the importance of truth and telling the truth and not lies. Now, probably everyone in this room has experienced being lied to, and we know the terrible feeling that brings when someone that we've trusted or someone that we've entrusted our things to cheats us and misrepresents the truth, and we fall prey. About 10 years ago, there was a financial investor who deceived literally thousands of people to the tune of close to $20 million, or billion, sorry, not a M but a B. And his name was Bernie Madoff. Aptly named because he made off with a lot of money. (laughs) And he made a lot of promises to people. He signed contracts and he put into place a Ponzi scheme which robbed people of their retirements, of major investments. Eleven infractions were brought against him and a 150-year sentence was assigned to him because he had cheated people, making promises and oaths that he knew full well he couldn't deliver on. Now, that is an extreme example of a promise breaker, but as we look into our culture, Bernie Madoff isn't the only one who promises and doesn't follow through. Our culture is shifting from a culture that values truth to a culture that looks at truth and says, when convenient, you speak it. When not, you ignore it. As followers of Jesus Christ, that should never be said of us. 
So look as we begin at this text at verse 33. And what we're going to see Jesus Christ address in His culture and any culture of any time is the importance of integrity and the importance of doing what we say we'll do. Look at what verse 33 says. It says this, again, you have heard it said from old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Now, what was going on? Jesus was addressing an issue in His time, and He's sharing with us in general, number one, lies are forbidden. Why does God forbid a lie? Some people have the impression that when God gives us a moral boundary, a moral standard, God just arbitrarily pulls something out of the air and says, okay, you can't do this and you must do this. That's not what the moral boundaries that God establishes teach us. Those boundaries are teaching us the importance of God's character and God's nature. When God says not to lie, it is because God is the God of truth. That is His character. That is His nature. And the moral boundary that He puts into place to not lie is a reflection of who God is and who He created us to be. God created us to reflect His character and nature. Sin marred that. And so what God is saying to us is, if you want to reflect my character, my nature, then you'll tell the truth. And this is what God is saying in the person of Jesus Christ to His listeners. He did not want them to swear falsely, in other words, to lie to someone. Now, we all know people who will tell us, I swear to God this is true. And then we become angry when we find out that they invoke the name of God just to lend credibility to their statement. It was knowingly a false statement meant to mislead, and then just to sweeten the pot a little bit, they add, I swear to God. It's a horrible way to invoke the name of God. We should never invoke the name of God to lend credibility to a deception because it goes totally against the character and the nature of God. We need, when we make a promise, to have that promise based on our own integrity and the fact that I tell the truth. As a matter of fact, let me submit this to you. If I have to invoke the name of God to make a promise, then guess what? What I'm saying is, you know, normally I don't tell the truth, but in this case, I'm telling the truth because I'm calling on God to substantiate what I'm saying to you. This is what Jesus is speaking about in this text, the sin of approaching people, invoking God's name, swearing falsely, and misleading them. Now, there was a bigger matter at hand in Jesus' day as He shares this. When He says, you have heard it said to those of old, He is talking about a tradition that had crept into the Jewish community, and it was fostered by the Pharisees. And what was going on in Jesus' day was this. The Pharisees had constructed an intricate system of promises to where there were binding promises and non-binding promises. The binding promises were centered only around the name of God. 
If they would invoke God's name, then that was a promise that would be fulfilled. However, what would happen if they swore by something other than God? As we'll see a little bit later, when they would swear by something maybe associated with God, but not God himself, it wasn't binding. We all understand why they did that, right? If you were conducting business and a foreigner came into your land not familiar with the customs, you could say something like, I swear by the temple that this is true. The person coming into the community would look at that and say, wow, they must really mean it. I mean, the temple's a big deal. So swearing by the temple, wow, that really means something. And so they would enter into a contract, and the Pharisee, much like what we would do if we had our fingers crossed behind our back, would say, nah, that wasn't binding. And they would cheat them. God is telling us in this passage that we are not to give oaths in this way. In fact, swearing an oath falsely directly transgresses what God tells us in the moral boundaries that He establishes in His Word. For instance, the book of Leviticus says this, "'You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God, for I am the Lord.'" Listen, it's a big deal when we defame the name of God. When we try to manipulate another person and bring God into the mix so that we can add credibility to what we're saying. God forbids that. It's taking His name in vain, and it is also telling a lie. Two of the commandments are broken when we do that, and God is saying, don't do that. Again, the book of Numbers says this, if a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Now, again, in our culture, we are pretty fast and loose with our words. We can say something, and then when it becomes inconvenient or may cost us a little extra, to follow through, we simply say, nah, I didn't mean it, and everything's okay. And by the way, this one really convicted me as a parent. I would make a promise to my kids that we would do something, and then we didn't do it, and they pointed it out. They have memories for things like that that are amazing, don't they? And so what would happen to the heart of that kid when, as a parent, I would promise something and not follow through? I learned to be very careful about what I promised. The important words of, we'll see, became the operative boundary in the promises that I would make, and they got so sick of hearing, we'll see. I even use it today. <laughs> now. What the Lord is calling us to do is to function according to integrity, to say what we mean and mean what we say, 
to make sure that we don't cloud issues. And what really stands out to me is here in Numbers chapter 30, verse 2, it says, if a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. Some people even make promises to God and say, God, I will do this and then break that. As a matter of fact, Deuteronomy says this, If you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it, for the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from vowing, you will not be guilty of sin. You shall be careful to do what has passed your lips, for you have voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. Now, as I heard that, I thought of something that I've experienced, and Pastor Ross Bacon is with us this morning, I'm sure as a pastor, he's experienced it as well. I used to go to the hospital and visit someone who was having a serious procedure, and they'd say, oh, pastor, I've made a decision before God that I'm going to be in church a lot more now, if God will just get me through this. Early in ministry, that used to excite me. I used to look and say, wow, they've really turned a corner. They're promising God to, to come and, and, and get serious about their faith and really try to, to live a Christian life. And then, after the hospital, when they were down the road of healing to the point to where they felt it was safe, totally forgot the vow, totally abandoned it. And it hurts your heart as a pastor, but more than that, it grieves the heart of God. When we make a promise, we need to follow through, and we need to be very careful about our promises that we make to God. We need to remember God is God, and anything that we say to Him is worship and recognition of His position being far superior to us. And I would submit to you that when I don't follow through on a commitment that I've made to God, I have sworn falsely, and I have abandoned that commitment that I've made to Him. God wants us to live differently. Now, as we go on in the text, we come to verses 34 through 36, and we find in this part of the passage that Deception should play no part in our promises. Look carefully with me at at this text. Verse 34, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is His footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King, and do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Now, here, Jesus is really drilling down on some of the practices of the Pharisees. As I said earlier, the Pharisees had constructed an intricate vow system, promise system, where they could swear oaths that were non-binding. In a sense, we do the same thing when we have differing tiers of truth, right? This is absolutely true. There's a little white lie here insignificant, unimportant. I can get away with the little white lie, but the big lies, you know, boy, I have to avoid those like the plague. Pharisees were doing that very thing when it came to oaths. And Jesus develops this quite a bit more 
in Matthew chapter 23 as he talks about some of the sins that the Pharisees were involved in. For instance, in Matthew 23, 16, it says this, Woe to you, blind guides. And by the way, woe is a curse statement. It is, may bad things come upon you. Wrath be rained down on you. So it says this, Woe to you, blind guides, who say, If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if someone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold of the temple that was made the gold sacred. And you say, If anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred. So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. So do you see what Jesus is addressing? A dishonesty that had crept into the spiritual elite of his day. And he is addressing that we cannot construct our own rules. You will search in vain in Scripture to find those formulas that give you the ability to lie or to misrepresent a promise. Nowhere in Scripture is it even hinted at. And yet, the Pharisees constructed this elaborate system for telling lies. God wants us to be people of our word. He wants us to represent the truth when we speak it. Whether it's by oath or apart from an oath, God wants us to tell the truth. And by having these systems put in place, probably in the business world so that they could cheat people, the travelers who would come in and enter into a contract, fully expecting them to follow through with the contract, right? By them cheating them, they were causing harm to the people that they had cheated. But more than that, they were bringing dishonor to God. You have a person who comes from a different belief system, And they see some practices like that and they say, wow, those people who worship Jehovah, they're terrible people. They caused my financial ruin because I entered into a contract fully expecting them to fulfill that contract and they didn't. God does not want to be associated with that kind of character. And by the way, And this is important for us to understand. Sometimes Christians believe we can compartmentalize our lives. Business is business. Church is church. And so if I do something that's just a business decision, and yeah, it's a little unethical, that's okay. Business is business. God wants our integrity to be the fabric of every part of our life. And we need to be careful to not misrepresent who we are, who God is. We need to be careful to be people of truth. A number of years ago, I was an associate pastor 
in a very large church. And I wasn't on the platform one Sunday, just kind of milling around out in the area just outside the sanctuary. And a new couple came into the church, and they were talking about how nice the church was. And one of our ushers walked into the area to hand out bulletins, and they stopped dead in their tracks. Their jaw dropped, and I heard the husband very angrily say to his wife, if that's the caliber of people who are in this church and serve in this church, we're out of here. He was a contractor, and he had cheated them out of thousands of dollars by not following through with his word. It was a reflection on him as a Christian, but the problem is this, people don't often disassociate one Christian from another. What happens to one happens to us all. And so he had dishonored the name of Christ, but more than that, he had hurt the testimony of our church. Because he was a public figure, he should have never had that position or any position in the church because he was notorious in our community for being dishonest. And by the way, his serving in the church was not my decision. It was the decision of others. <laughs> when I pointed that out, they just said, oh, you're fresh out of seminary. <laughs> we should hold to integrity. God wants us as his kingdom people to tell the truth. We find this particularly true for the church. The church is to be a place where truth is spoken. Ephesians 4.25 says this, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now, that's that principle I was talking about just moments ago, that when one Christian demonstrates lack of integrity, people don't associate that with just that one individual. They expand it. Those Christians. There was another situation in my life where a neighbor that I had been witnessing to had a fellow who had come out of jail, and this guy was not a believer, but he was extremely merciful. And so he hired this guy to do some projects around his house, gave him a couple of thousand dollars to go buy materials. He was told by the person who was going to do the work for him, hey, I'm a born-again Christian. I think you probably guessed where I'm going. He skipped town with the money. So I'm talking to my good friend, Frank, and he said, Rob, I'll never trust those born-againers again. I said, Frank, I'm a born-againer. <laughs> Don't judge us all by that one poor experience. He's a bad example. But it can hurt the testimony of the church. So we need to think carefully about that. Paul said to the Colossians, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of the Creator. So, 
the image is, is, is taking falsehood and just casting it away, not making it a part of our lives. This is how God wants us to live as His people. And that brings us to the 37th verse. And what we need to remember is this, dishonesty is never of God. Look carefully at that 37th verse, and this is what Jesus says in the first half of it. Let what you say simply uh, be simply yes or no. In other words, when I say yes, it needs to mean yes. And when I say no, then it needs to mean no. No, all of us have experienced people telling us, yes, I'll show up, I'll be there, I'll do what I said I'm going to do, and then, whoops, they didn't. Or, I'll never do that, and then you look and you, whoops, there they are doing it. Now, I recognize that sometimes there is human error, sometimes there are those things that come up in an unanticipated way. We allow for that, but you still go and make it right with the person that was left hanging when you didn't follow through. Let me also say this, when we enter into contracts, whether it's marriage or an agreement when we purchase something, any kind of a contract that we enter into where we say, I will follow through and these are the terms of the agreement that I have agreed to, As a follower of God, we need to be careful to follow through with it. Our yes needs to mean yes, and our no needs to mean no. And so, God wants us to bear that in mind. And listen, if for some reason you can't follow through with a contract, go and talk to the people and see if you can come to a different agreement and amend it. You can be released from it if you talk to the people about what's going on in your life. God wants us to be people of integrity. Here's the thing, once I have committed to something, inconvenience or a change in mood shouldn't drive bailing out of the commitment that I've made. In our culture, that has radically shifted. As long as we have some sort of excuse, We don't have to follow through. God wants us to be people of our word. James writes this, Above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. God wants us to be people of our word. And so we need to be careful to make sure that we are. Look at the last part of that 37th verse. The last part says, anything more than this comes from evil. Now, the ESV translates it evil. Other translations render it the evil one. And here's the idea. The devil tells lies and we're behaving like him when we do. So, let's think about this. When we misrepresent the truth, when we twist it, we are not imitating God. We're imitating the adversary. Jesus called out the 
religious leaders of his day in the Gospel of John when he said this to them, you are of your father, the devil, and your will to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So as a believer, let's run that through our theological grid. When I tell a lie, who am I imitating? God is the God of truth. God would have me function with integrity. God would have me follow through on what I promise, even when it's inconvenient to do so. I'm imitating God when I honor what I say. And when I'm wise about what I commit to, God wants us to be careful with our words. When I lie, break a commitment, break a promise that is never of God, that is always of my flesh, and ultimately what I'm doing is imitating the greatest liar of them all, and that's Satan. Now, why did Jesus share this in the eternal Word of God? Was He just talking about the people of His day and some of the issues? No. God is giving us a principle that integrity always matters to God, and it should matter to us. Generally, when we lie, don't we often do it to cover up another sin that we've committed? And then as we weave our tapestry of lies, what happens? We become tangled up in all of those threads that we build. And where we look and we say, well, this will get me out of trouble, what do we find? We get into greater and greater trouble. But beyond that, it offends a holy God who calls us to live in integrity and in truth as His people. Our words get us into so much trouble, don't they? God wants us to be careful about those words, those commitments, those promises that we make to Him and that we make to others. And listen, if God has convicted you this morning about something in your life that you need to make right, do it. Make it right before God. If it's something that in the past and that just can't be addressed, then confess it and move past it and be delivered from it. God wants us to live in peace. If there is someone that you have hurt or cheated by misrepresenting the truth, then by all means go and restore that relationship by asking their forgiveness. But most of all, if we have offended our God by the promises that we've made, the things that we've promised, that we refuse to deliver on, repent and ask His forgiveness in what we've done. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this text. And God, we can all find experiences in our lives where we have not hit the mark 
when it comes to promising and follow through and keeping our commitments. Oh God, help us to be people of integrity. Help us to represent the kingdom well. Help us to be people who give other people that good image of your truth. And I do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.